Some of you might have seen on the news just recently where there was a, a truck that rolled over on the highway and blocked off traffic for hours and hours uh, on the Gold Coast. Uh, you might not have seen this one though. Uh, about a week earlier, there was a truck that rolled over. It was a Vicks Vakerub truck. It fell over. The good news is there was a no congestion for eight hours. <laughs> no, really, that's... That, that's Sorry, sorry, okay. What about this one? Uh, I just recently used an elevator for the first time. It was such an uplifting experience, but the second time was just a real letdown. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. I love having you here in church, helping me. Very, very good. Well, today it is our goal anointing service. And if you've never been to a goal anointing service, what we do is at the end of the service, we, there's an, on your seats, there'll be an opportunity to write down some goals for the year. Some of you will be already prepared. Who's got your goals for 2020? You're ready to go. Okay. Some of you will write them quickly throughout this service. Some of you will, uh, will take down some notes, pray this afternoon and come back because in all three services today, we are praying for um, these goals. And what will happen, we'll come at the front at the end. Some of our pastors and team will be here. We'll uh, anoint you those goals with oil representing the Holy Spirit. They're representing God's ability to work with us. It's not like God will just do them for us, but He'll work with us to bring these things to pass. Now, if you're like me, there might be some that have been on your list for a while that you're redoing. It's a do-over. You're going to write them again. And no problem at all with that. For our church, 10 years ago, we set a goal of seeing 100 people baptized in one year. Uh, and then we set that goal every year for the last 10 years. And so finally last year, we saw exactly 100 people want to baptize, making a decision to follow Christ. So you know what? It's the goal that actually, it doesn't matter if you don't hit it, it's the goal that forces us to think and plan and stretch and strategize and pray forward into something. You're better to aim for something and, and fall slightly short than aim for nothing and succeed. Come on, I want to stir you up to believe for some good things this morning. Uh, I want to share a message today that I, I think is going to, uh, it's a prophetic message for our church that I think is going to help us in setting those goals. Uh, and I've called it Don't Stop Now. Don't Stop Now. And uh, the scripture is one I read last year and God spoke to me out of this scripture in Jeremiah 33 and it says this. While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. Everyone say a second time. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you. I love this. And tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. I love that idea. Another version of that uh, says it like this. Let me find what it says. Uh, it says, call to me. Uh, and I'll answer you, I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. You know what, I don't want you just to write down some goals this morning that you've worked out on your own and then you can achieve yourself. I mean, I like the idea of goals for focus, for family goals, some fitness goals, some, some hobbies and butterflies and you name it. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for, for, you know, goals that will keep me focused on growing spiritually so that this is the kind of person I want to become. I'm going to do an internship or that leadership academy. I'm going to go to a small group. I'll be putting it off for too long. I'm going to serve on a team. I'm going to get planted in the house of God. I love all of those goals, but many of those we can do ourselves. But I like the idea, just like this scripture, that there's a component of goal setting that has faith attached to it, where we say, God, 
We're believing that you'd do marvelous and wondrous things that we could never figure out on our own. They didn't make logical sense. They were God things. They were God ideas. They were, they were supernatural. Okay. And so Jeremiah, he's this prophet. And he's prophesied over a whole group of people. And what had happened is out of his prophesying, basically the children of Israel were under siege. They were about to be overthrown. They were going to go into 70 years captivity. That God, There was punishment for their turning their back on him and, and their unbelief. God says to Jeremiah, prophesy over them so that they'll, they'll um, submit to their enemies. They'll, they'll just give up and, and they'll surrender. And then I'll cause them to be treated well and then I'll, for 70 years and I'll look after them. And so Jeremiah prophesies that, but no one wants to hear what God had to say. They wanted to fight. And, they, and so what happened is eventually the city got overturned. So, so Jeremiah prophesies and he ends up in the courtyard. The courtyard wasn't a pretty place. It was a, it was a restricted place. And we'll get to that in a moment. So I read this scripture and I thought about this phrase, the word of the Lord came a second time. What does it mean for God to speak to you again a second time? What, what's, and I began to study it in the Bible. When, 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 are, the, when are these times uh, shared? And, and so here's how, how it works. Sometimes the word of the Lord comes a second time because it was the second step. The first time God said, do this, they did that. And the word of the Lord came a second time and it was the next step. Take two. That was, that was sometimes. Sometimes the word of the Lord came a second time because God had spoken to Jonah and said, I want you to do this. And Jonah had gone in the opposite direction and run from God's plan. And the word of the Lord came a second time. It meant that he's like, you didn't get it the first time. I'm going to tell you the second time. It's take two. And maybe you're here this morning and God's asked you to do something and you've run the other way and you've like, oh yeah, no, that's not convenient. That's not a good time or I'm not qualified or whatever it might be. Maybe this morning in this prophetic atmosphere of preaching, you can hear the whisper of God come to your heart again saying, no, I told you that. And the reason you've been in storms and been eaten by a whale is because you went the other way and the word of the Lord's coming to you a second time. Do what he said the first time. And it's God's grace to encourage you. Go to college. Start that connect group. Start that business. Don't date that guy. Don't date that girl. Start going out. Start hanging out with those people, whatever it might be. Listen to God. That's the word of the Lord coming a second time. Sometimes the word of the Lord comes a second time just because it's repeat for emphasis. I just want to encourage you. You're on the right track and I'm encouraging you. And God's like really gracious like that. But this case seems to me to be a little interesting and different. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time because he'd already spoken God's word, but, that, but speaking God's word had got him in trouble. Speaking God's word had got him confined. Speaking the prophecy that God had given him to, in the right place, it was the right thing to do, but the walls had come in on him. He was, he was thrown into a temporary prison. The, the prison that he was in was a, the, 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 the um, principle, the, the the, the king's courtyard, and it was either he was down under the king's palace or he was in the guardhouse. He could move around a little bit within this courtyard, but he could have his secretary there. He could write letters. He could do business. He wasn't just in this limited little jail, so he had a little bit of freedom, but he was confined. I want to talk to some people this morning that when God spoke to you a promise, 
when God spoke to you a vision, when God gave you that prophecy, when God gave you that dream in the night, when something from God got into your heart and you knew it was God and you began to speak it, but instead of it automatically coming to pass and being amazing, what happened is your world got smaller. You got confined. You got restricted. It's almost as if the walls have closed in and it's got worse for you and you don't understand. Why? If God said that, why is this happening? If God promised me that, why has this happened? And I want us to understand this morning the journey, the prophetic journey that God often takes us on as Christians. And I want to encourage some people here today, don't stop now. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't stop now. So this is the way it works. When you're a new Christian, so often you begin to pray for, to the Lord and say, God, would you do something for me? Lord, I need this. And boom, the doorbell rings and in it comes. And you're like, awesome. Thank you, God, for answering my prayer so quickly. Awesome. God does stuff for you. Now, that doesn't stop for the rest of your Christian life. Out of your relationship, there'll be those prayers that you pray. And I read about it once this week. And when it said about um, Abraham's servant, it said, well, as he finished praying, God answered his prayer. Oh, I love those moments. Who loves those guys? I prayed. I remember once in my business praying specifically that, that, my de- that my debtors would pay me back, guys who owed me money. And literally as I finished prophesying and pr- praying the prayer, my phone rang from a guy who I'd been chasing for six months. I could never get onto him. And he said, I, I just want to let you know I'm coming around to pay the bill back. I love those, prayer- those answered prayers. While he was praying, God answered the prayer. But as you mature as a Christian, as you grow deeper in your relationship with God, what I want you to understand is it doesn't always work like that. In fact, God likes to take you on a journey of maturity so that instead of doing things for you, He does things through you. He gives you the promise, the prophecy, the scripture, the the, the vision, the thing, and and He answers. You ask Him and He answers and you can see it. But now instead of doing it for you, He wants it to get inside of your heart so that you speak it into reality the way He created the world. You can create your world. You're made in the image of God and I'm made in the image of God. The Bible says in Hebrews that He framed the world on His words and He wants you and I to be just the same. That we frame our world on the words that God puts into our heart but we speak them through our mouth. Is anyone getting this this morning? So here's the thing. And you're like, oh, that sounds awesome. So God gives me a picture, a scripture. He says, yes, a video, whatever it is. And I start to speak it and it happens. And I want to tell you this morning, yes, it happens. But the it that happens between it happening is not always the it that we'd like it to be. And so I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about what I call kingdom reversal, the opposite kingdom. When you step out in faith, just like Jeremiah and you prophesy, but instead of your world getting larger, it gets smaller. Instead of getting healed, you get sicker. Instead of that kid you've been praying for to come back to Christ, getting better, they get worse. Instead of your business getting more, getting more profitable, uh, the clients leave you. Or instead of the doors of ministry opening up like you'd, uh, you'd ha- hoped would happen, you're finding yourself struggling with depression and even just getting to church. It's like my world got smaller. It was supposed to get bigger. You're in kingdom reversal. And I want to tell somebody today that if you're feeling that confinement and restriction, that's the opposite of what God said. It doesn't mean you're off track. 
It doesn't mean you're going the wrong way. In fact, very often it's, the, it's God's compliment to you. You're going the right way. The devil's paying you more attention than you ever thought he would. You're in the right place. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. I want you to understand two things that happen in this season of kingdom reversal. Okay, two things that happen. One is in Matthew chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. So Melbourneites, come with us as we look at this. It says this, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. Pastor Teresa prophesied over me about how awesome my life's going to be and God's going to come through. Oh, I received it with joy. I had this dream. It was amazing. I read this scripture. Oh, it's a rhema promise from God. Woo, got the words. Received it with joy. Okay, then we go on. But since they have no root, and another version says no root in themselves, that word that hasn't gone down deep, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. You know, when God gives you a promise or a word, it might be the first time you hear it, but I want you to know it's also the first time the devil hears it. Too often we think, oh, the devil's so powerful, he knows everything, he knows God's plans, he's incredible. I want to tell you, ah, he's a created being. He's one guy, one fallen angel with an army of fallen angels, but, but he, is not, he does not have God-like qualities. See, God is omnipotent, which means He's all-powerful, devil-created being. God is omnipresent, means He's everywhere. The devil's a created being. He can only be in one place. God is omniscient, which means He's all-knowing. The devil only knows what he sees and hears. He doesn't know what's in the heart or mind of God. He knows God's got great plans for you. He knows God's got a future for you. He knows, he knows that because it's the nature of God, he knows no, but He knows no details. Therefore, when a prophecy comes or a promise comes or you write it down and you say it out loud, it's as much news to him as it is news to you. You see, if the devil actually knew what God's plans were, he wouldn't have crucified Jesus. He was, he was like, whoa, that's, I heard the voice. That's God's son. Oh, flip. Okay, we better take him out. We better kill him. So he crucifies him and he kills him and he thinks he's won a victory, but he's fallen right into God's hand because he's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He, what, he t- what he meant for evil, God used for the salvation of every person on the planet. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, it's that Jesus dying on the cross is what gives us the ability to know and be known by God and have that relationship. So here's the thing. He knows that you're a weapon. He knows you've got a great future. He knows that's the nature of God, but it's not until the promise comes. So here's what happens. Here's the promise. Oh, God's going to use you. God's got this. God's going to open up doors for you in ministry. God's, God's going to open it. He's going to bless your family. Your, your parents and all your kids are going to come back to Christ. They've been away from God. God and you, he hears that and he goes, okay. I've now heard something specific. Goes to his little drawing board with all these little demons and starts to go, ooh, let's get some schemes. God said he's going to get millions of dollars through that business into the house of God, into the kingdom. So, okay, so that's the, that's the specific promise. Uh, what are we going to do? Well, let's start attacking his business. Let's start attacking his clients. Let's start, let's start, and he comes up with schemes. 
Because the, the Bible says God's got plans for you, but the devil has schemes. His schemes are to stop the plans of God. So what you've got to understand is as soon as, as, soon as the promise comes, the Lord goes, oh, well, I know as soon as it's out there, he's going to come because of the word. He's going to persecute the word in you. He's going to persecute you so he can steal that word out of your heart. And you're like, oh, that wasn't God because the opposite happened. But the reality is the opposite happening is a sure sign that the enemy heard the promise too and he's coming after you. So what you've got to realize in that moment is all he's trying to do is intimidate you through bad circumstances. All he's trying to do is try and knock you off your perch. All he's trying to do is to get you out of that believing zone because it's the believing zone and the speaking with faith zone that sees the promise come to pass. He's just trying to rob you of that. So Sometimes what we've got to do in the middle of it all, don't say things like, is that all you got? Don't say that. <laughs> I've learned to say things that don't even say like, ah, oh, I couldn't get any worse than this. Oh, don't, don't say that. Don't say, don't say that. Just, just stand up on the inside, put on the full armor of God. And stand knowing that greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Take the compliment and say, well, God's for me. God's going to turn this theme. God's going to make this work for me. He's on my side. His word will come to pass. He watches over his word to perform it. Speak the word of God. Speak scripture. You picked on the wrong guy. You picked on the wrong girl. You picked on the wrong church. These C3 powerhouse people, they know how to believe the word of God. Stand firm. You stand firm. Resist the devil, James says. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. It might take a little while. In fact, the greater the promise and the greater impact it's going to have on others, the greater the attack will be. The greater difference you're going to make. So you, you look at, at Abraham, 25 years about to birth nations. It took 25 years of harassment and testing. It's the way it works. Once you understand it's the way it works, you, don't, you didn't sign up for uh, footloose and easy Christianity where everything's just going to fall into your lap. You signed up to worship God in the tough seasons and the good seasons. You signed up to worship Him when things are going great and when things aren't going great. You signed up to turn up and honor God, not because He's doing exactly what you want today, but because He's on the throne. That's what you signed up for. You're not a fair weather Christian. You're, you're strong and solid to worship God. So you know in your heart, 2020 is going to be a year of supernatural breakthrough. So the word of the Lord comes to people and, and something he spoke to you years ago and it's, it's starting to echo in your head even right now, starting to come into your heart right now. That's because I want you to write it down at the top of your goal list. Not like, oh, if I write it down, I'm committing myself. Yeah, yeah, I've got five things that are in, seem, seemingly have been in permanent rollover goal list for years. And I'm bringing them to God and I'm saying, God, it's the year of supernatural breakthrough. I've got promise after promise after promise. You're a good God. The devil's had his shot. Now it's your turn. Would you join with me? Write down those things. Now, okay, understanding that. That's the first part. But here's the second part that's quite interesting when you're in the season of kingdom reversal. When you're constricted. Psalm 105 verse 17 says this, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. 
They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Okay, Joseph had a promise from God, a dream that his brothers and many would bow down before him. He dreamed that he would be influential. And he was literally spent 14 years either as a slave or in a prison in the season of his kingdom reversal. Some kingdom reversals are six days, some are six weeks, some are six months, some are six years, some are 16 years. The greater the influence, the greater the impact, the, the, the longer you're going to find you'll be in kingdom reversal. All right. And so this is what this scripture says. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. You're like, oh, I thought it was the devil. Well, it is partially. The devil's trying to get that you to stop believing the promise. But God's also doing something at the same time. His word is testing you. His word uh, is creating a fire around your life so that as gold goes through fire, it's because that fire or testing is to burn out the impurities that's in the gold. It's, it's to get rid of it. The heat's got to be at a certain level to melt, and then all of these impurities all, all boil off, and then you've got pure gold. God allows circumstances in your life and my life because He's getting at the impurities in us. This, this testing is actually about preparing us for the future. This testing, there's a, there's a couple of components. Part of it, God's wanting to say, so if I say something to them, and then it all goes wrong, are they still going to believe me? Have they got faith? That's a test of your faith. But he's also trying to get to some motives. He's also trying to get to some attitudes. He's, I knew it would get quiet at this moment. I, I, he's also he's, he's trying to deal with things on the inside of why did I want that promise to come to pass? Was that about me being the hero? Or was that about glorifying Jesus? Was that about me having every, all my ducks in a row? Or was that about God uh, using me to be a blessing to everybody else? He's, he's dealing with the attitudes of our heart so that number one is our relationship with Him. Because God will never put something in our, in our life that becomes number one. So He's like, He wants to know, can I still be number one when everything's not working? Are you still going to be sweet? Are you still going to worship? I'm testing fire. I'm, I'm taking you through this season in your life. Can you keep your heart soft? Can you keep praising? Can you keep worshiping? Can you stay grateful? You might be confined, but you're prophesying. And so what you've got to do in that moment, uh, David did it in the Psalms. He said in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. There's a time when you're in the reversal to go, God, what is it? Uh, we, we teach people around here in mentoring to ask this question. What should I start doing to, uh, to mentors? What should I stop doing? What should I keep doing? Sometimes when you're in the season of reversal and nothing seems to be working and the opposite's happening, it's a good thing to sit down with God, the piece of paper and go, Lord, what should I stop doing? What should I start doing? What should I keep doing? I remember doing this a, a few years ago, and I'm just waiting on the Holy Spirit. I'm saying, Lord, what, what do you want to say to me? And, and he whispered to me, he said, your opinions are offending me. I'm like, oh, okay. He said, you're making judgments on this and that. And it's just your own opinion, and it's, it's keeping me away. I'm like, okay. God, if, if, you, if you take back stuff so that I can deal with internal attitudes, then I'm into it. 
because I want to get my heart right. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So that's a, that's a season to go through. Now, some of you, if you're a little melancholic, might be tempted to camp at the river of, of introspection for a little bit too long. So I want to say, stay there, wait, pray, but just don't, don't spend your life in that sort of like, oh, what's wrong with me, God? What's wrong with me? Just have a little while there. Ask him. He speaks pretty quickly and then move on quite quickly. Move back to that place of faith, okay? Move back to that prophesying. Move, you know, because it's easy when you're in an atmosphere of faith and you're on top of the mountaintop, it's easy to see how awesome things are. But it's in the valley of testing where your dreams are dry bones, where God says, that's where I want you to prophesy. That's where I want you to speak the things that I've said to you before. Come on, somebody's getting the word of the Lord. Come back to them a second time, a second time. This has been uh, probably one of the, just the flow, the ebb and flow of my life for many years. God speaks, we get tested, the devil tries to rob it. We, we, we try and hang on and then we go into a season of his blessing. One of the moments that had happened for Danielle and I uh, would be about, well, it culminated about four years ago, but it started about 10 years ago when a, a prophetess who visits our church called Vicki Simpson came and she said, God's got a new house for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you a new outlook. He wants to give you a, a new spiritual outlook look, as well as a natural outlook. And so we, we took, God just opened doors. We got blessed. All these great things began to happen. We're like, awesome. This is going to be easy after about a few years. We're like, now we're prophesying. We've got all these promises. We need to take a step. We sold our place. And what happened from selling our place is we spent about eight months in the wilderness. Uh, we literally, we moved from holiday rental place to holiday rental place. All our stuff was in storage. We couldn't even, I mean, talk about we're looking for the miracle house that lined up with all these things. Uh, we could barely find a holiday rental that would accept us, all right? We were confined and restricted. We found one place, and when we walked in, it lined up with everything that the Lord was in our heart and that we were believing God for, Uh, except it was about $300,000 more than our squeeze amounts. And we're working the miracle, and we're like, okay, well, let's put in an offer for that. And we got, and they came back and said, sure, we'll drop our price by $10,000. Like, okay, well now we need about a two hundred and something thousand, two hundred and eighty thousand dollar miracle. We've got a bank value, like, okay, they're actually in the ballpark. So we with our tail between our legs, uh, we moved into a, a six month rental, got our stuff out of storage. But one thing we did during this whole season is we got this contract. The contract that we'd put together for one point for the, the for the price. Oop, almost said it. <laughs> and uh, and that's quite funny. Uh, we, write, we wrote those promises down and we just, every day, we begin to read them. Psalm 47 verse 4. He chose the promised land as our inheritance, the proud possession of Jacob's descendant whom he loves. Jeremiah three nineteen. This, this is the, the one that they knocked back. We said, well, you might think what you think. But we're going to believe what God says. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. I look forward to you calling me Father. I wanted you never to turn from me. I'll bless my people and their homes around my holy hill. It was on a hill. The proper season, I'll give them their place. The land that you have given me is a pleasant land. What a, what a beautiful inheritance. I will provide. I'm thinking that someone here, you're believing God for your first house. Get a contract. Get the promises of God. I'll provide a place for my people, Israel, and I'll plant them, and I'll know no more. Uh, They'll want no more. So having patiently waited, they obtained the promise. I think we could all write that on the promises of God. That one, Hebrews 6.15, having patiently waited through your kingdom reversal, you obtained the promise. 
This was one that the scripture God gave me when I literally was waiting in the morning saying, God, what we want to happen is impossible and it's crazy. And actually, are we just crazy? I can't, it's like, you know, just having those doubts. The journey of faith doesn't mean no doubts. It just means you process your doubts and you end up back with the promises. And so that very morning, I, when I have this conversation, Lord, are we crazy? 2 Corinthians 5.13. If it seems that we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. So we just kept declaring them. We moved into the rental, just still declaring God's promises until one day, well, we're kind of resigned to, well, whenever, Lord, we get a call saying circumstances have changed. If you'll resubmit your, your original offer, uh, you can move into this place in this particular area. Which, so in one day, God blessed us radically. That place has gone up and multiplied in value, etc. I want to encourage somebody here today that the word of the Lord could come to you a second time about any particular thing that looks impossible right now and don't stop now. I want you, as we write our goals, I don't want you to, don't just write down goals that you can achieve yourself. I mean, we'll pray for them, but why would we need to? If you can do it yourself. Let's, let's, get some, let's get some goals. I mean, some goals, it's just got to be, that's a, I'm focusing in to do that. And I'm making that happen. But there's some goals, and it's the reason we have an anointing service. Because we need the Spirit of God to come on the promises of God through our faith to make them happen. Come on, I, I see someone writing down something that you wrote down 10 years ago and have given up on. Bring it back. Go again. The word of the Lord comes a second time. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you in this atmosphere of your presence here in Melbourne right now. I thank you for your anointing. And I'm asking that you'd help us as we believe you for what you've got ahead for us right now. Let faith rise. Let strength come. You're a good God. Your promises a yes and amen, and you watch over them to perform it. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Melbourne guys, we're going to let you go. Dan and Eb are going to lead the rest of you in your anointing service part right now. God bless you.